Hello, and welcome to Teaching Plus, a podcast that explores issues and strategies of interest to post-secondary instructors for the enhancement of teaching. Hello, Teaching Plus listeners. I'm Anita Parker, educational developer at the Center for Teaching and Learning. Today, I'm speaking with Ben Chung, assistant teaching professor in the Department of Mechanical Engineering. Ben is with me today on the podcast to tell us about his use of case-based instruction in NGM 665, Introduction to Intellectual Property and New Technology Commercialization that he taught in the fall 2020. 2021 term. Hello, Ben, and welcome. Hi, Anita. Thanks for having me. So tell me more about NGEM 665, in particular, why you felt it was well-suited for case-based instruction. Sure. So NGEM 665, as you mentioned, um, we cover the topics of intellectual property and new technology commercialization. And one of the issues with a topic like this is how dynamic it is. Um, every year, the law is changing. There's new cases to talk about. And um, introducing this in an engineering context, uh, the students don't necessarily have the legal background for us to dive in and do case studies in the legal sense. But there's still a, a good opportunity to in- introduce all of the different intricacies of um, various examples of cases. So I can talk about copyright uh, and we can talk about all the different laws of copyright, but it's really hard for students to grasp um, the subtleties and the changes uh, in different cases unless we bring a particular case to light and allow students to dive into it uh, on their own. And so that's why um, we sought out uh, using case-based instruction for uh, this course. So you know in theory that case-based instruction is is a good way to teach, so, but how did you put that theory into practice? What did you do to plan and build your course to include cases, and how did a typical week unfold? So yeah, there was a lot of resources, and I can thank you uh, specifically for a lot of those resources and helping me prepare. Um, And one of the things that I found uh, in preparing this course was ensuring that I had um, set the tone early uh, in terms of expectations for participation. Um, Having my goal with the case-based instruction and uh, on top of that, this being a pure remote uh, teaching, remotely taught course, I wanted to ensure that um, student engagement was kept relatively high. Another aspect brought into that was a way, a means of recording the discussion uh, that happened in the various rooms. And so I used Google Slides at length every week. Uh, the preparation was to say was uh, a single slide deck and the tie had a title slide, which had the questions or hyperlinks or topics. And then each of the following slides had the group number associated with it. So I would share that file with the students and then invite them into discussion. I think the other aspect of preparation too was finding a good case. But again, it was uh, that fell by the wayside once we got going, as long as there was something to talk about um, and the students were kept up to date or were prepared for it, they were ready to launch into discussion. 
So the case served as a catalyst to get the discussion going, and then the discussion would get a life of its own. Absolutely. Um, and, and I guess another aspect, and I said I'd talk about this before, um, I, I think textbooks are a really interesting topic for those of us who teach now because it, you know, and with the advent of open access resources and things like that, um, there's almost a pushback on, well, why do you have a textbook for this course? Uh, and I, I had a low cost text in this, but I found it absolutely critical. Um, when it came to a case-based style of instruction to have a common resource that students could feel prepared to enter into discussion. How many students did you have in your class? Um, I believe there were about 47, 50 students, something like that. Okay, so that's not too small. That's not too big. It's not completely onerous, but it's not too small where you still had to be prepared and organized and, and structured. Yeah. And having, again, the, the breakout rooms are a great tool for that. And um, one of the things we made sure, and I actually had feedback from a student later, they appreciated the randomization of people every time. And they felt that actually contributed to their learning because they had different perspectives each time they walked into a discussion and they looked forward to that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think it's funny because that's in contrast to what I've heard about some other Zoom breakout room experiences where students say, why do you put us in a room full of strangers I don't know how to talk to? Mm -hmm. um, again, I think that's a part of it is mature, more mature students. Um, for sure. But another part is I think they were just used to it by then. They had that as an expectation uh, each week they approached the lecture. Um, how did the, overall, how did the fall term go? What went really well? What it maybe didn't go so well and, and was causing you to think about how you might do it differently next time? Um, what I heard from students though was, a, and I'll go back to the point where I was stressed about what kind of questions I was asking. Um, and what I heard back from students was, we want more of these. Give us more open-ended questions or give us more open-ended problems. Don't worry about the questions because we got such great discussion. It didn't matter. You could have just thrown something up there. We would have talked for a long time. Um, and, and that was surprising to me because I think, again, we think that the success of every course leans completely on us as instructors. And to realize that when you put the course, when you put more power back into the hands of the students, they can make it a success as well. Um, the other aspect, uh, one of the, some of the feedback I had was students coming out of this wanted more group opportunities to explore topics. Um, so the assignments that I went alongside with this. Uh, we're often, you know, students had to come up with an o their own review, a patent or this company and, you know, their portfolio type assignments a little more in depth. And I had students coming back to me saying, well, why can't this be group work? And not because they didn't want to do the work. These were hardworking students. It was, we want this to be in groups because we realize it's so much more fun to talk about this in a group because I uncover way more than I could by myself. And, and that was really, that was a surprise to me because again, um, you know, you say group work and you often get 
a lot of groaning. Um, I think as I prepare for it again, one of the things that I would definitely do is is I need more cases for them, um, or even to again put the weight on the students and to say early on, okay, you're going to come with cases and you're going to submit this and give us ideas to talk about. Um, again, setting that expectation early and and how um, that that success isn't just lean on me. That success leans on the students engaging in the course as well. You know that your course is a success when the students say, we want more group work. And these are engineers and engineers don't work alone. They've already, there's 600 level students slash engineers. They've already figured out that working alone, uh, yeah, it's good for some things, but not for the kind of, of work that they were doing in this course. So that's, that's, a, that's a real indicator that you ran a, a successful course. So you are teaching this again. It sounds like you've already got your wheels turning about planning it uh, for the next time. And you said you you uh, needed more cases. What, what else is on your to-do list to get this ready for next time? Uh, yeah, some of the things are to expand um, and to remove more of the content delivery times that I had. It's They fall by the wayside. Uh, you realize how uh, little value you can actually provide by talking at students. Um, and, and to, again, there's a difference, I think, when there is a, a rich um, expertise to bring in in that voice. And um, that's what the guest lecture component ties into this really well. Uh, but searching for more um, more cases that will that will drive again the discussion from all points as well the a component that i've um tried to explore little by little is and i know is tossed around often as a buzzword and i i try not to do this um uh flippantly but uh the ideas of decolonization and indigenization of content material specifically in a course that it like intellectual property is a very, very colonial perspective of I can own an idea, I can own uh, an invention or something like that. So we, we talk, you know, I have a lecture where we do talk about um, traditional law knowledge and rights. And, and again, the new tech commercialization as piece of this, uh, how does that fit into it? But to break down that perspective and to say that these um, laws, uh, they are just that, you know, yes, it is the law, but laws do change over time. And so I would, again, I'd love for the students to come out of that experience, um, having a strong grasp of the way IP works, uh, but also being agents of change, um, for how, you know, when they run their business or run their operation and, and being able to change that perspective. So um, another comment I had received on the guest lecture side, which is one, um, and I'll, you know, maybe I'll use this as the open invitation here. Uh, um, uh, people of color and women entrepreneurs, uh, a lot of the the entrepreneurs in the engineering space that, again, I um, personally know and have connections with are um white males. And so how do we introduce a diversity perspective uh, 
and and how do I again reach out and grab uh, my feelers into there and present because I know that there are inventors in that space um, and I just don't have those connections yet. So broadening my network as well to introduce the students to more uh, perspectives and more experiences uh, to enrich that experience. It seems like six six five is is a course where you you ask questions and and you're not trying to have all the answers by the end of it it's not this fact-seeking course it's more of a question and asking course and that you have that flexibility to bring in the most relevant guest speakers that that you can my goal with teaching is always i I hope that my students reach reach farther than i can Um, if we're not pushing them to reach farther we're not going to do any better uh we're not going to push us as a, as humanity, as a, as an institution, we're not, we're not doing our job if they're not reaching farther than we could. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to add about your case-based approach to 665 or, or something else? I would say summative assessment becomes a very interesting topic. Um, and I, you know, it's not really primed for a final exam. It's not a course that has ever had a final exam. Um, there's a final presentation and report that follow, again, the topics we've been talking about. Um, but one of the things that I had implemented and I didn't, I think this was one of the weaker areas of the course was kind of a, a weekly quiz that followed up on the content that we discussed. Um, but again, it has to be very, you have to be very careful about it because is the goal here to have the students simply answer the theory questions or is there a way I can ask these um, where because you know I don't want it all to lean on the exact discussion they had so that's one that I I need to work on if I'm to teach this again to say you know how do we make sure um, that a student knows week to week that they are keeping up with content um, the other thing too to think of is you know how how do we continue to engage students who aren't going to be the primary drivers of conversation? Um, How do you give everybody an opportunity to engage, whether they're first to raise their hand or the person who will never raise their hand? Um, How do we evaluate that and ensure that we're meeting all of those? So yeah, those are some remaining thoughts in my head. I'm never really completely satisfied (laughs) by the end of a term. and, And you always have to approach it and say, well, what can we knock off this time? Um, what can we add? What can we tweak? Yeah, you you as an instructor will never rest on your laurels. You will always be looking at your previous teaching experience and wondering what you're going to do for next time. And I, I like that you made that connection to assessment as well. If you're going to have an, an innovative approach to your teaching, that has to follow through with the assessment as well. Thank you, Ben, for making time to share with us today your case-based approach to your graduate level course in in engineering this has been very helpful to to have your insights and your your honesty and your enthusiasm for such a a great teaching tool awesome well thank you anita for having me on thank you for listening to this episode of teaching plus this podcast has been created by the university of alberta's center for teaching and learning You can get more information on any of our services by going to ctl.ualberta.ca.